listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is the Rainmaking Podcast. My name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the show. We've got a special treat. We've got a friend of mine, Bruce Lefetra, who's a business development catalyst and speaker. Uh, he's going to be talking about clarity in business development. There's some real nuggets of wisdom in here that I think you're going to learn from Bruce. He works with attorneys and law firms to fundamentally change how and who generates business. Now, even if you're not in the legal industry, if you're in sales or professional services, you're going to get some really keen insights today. Bruce helps firms focus on their best clients, and this sets in motion a virtuous cycle where revenue grows, profitability increases, and the business development cycle shortens as the firm attracts more of its best clients. Now, Bruce earned a degree in economics, cum laude, from Claremont McKenna College and an MBA from the Tuck School at Dartmouth College. As always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions Legal Intelligence Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. Thanks for listening, and I hope you get some great ideas from my interview with Bruce today. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is a friend of mine, Bruce Lefetra. And today we're talking about clarity in business development. Bruce, thanks for being on the Rainmaking Podcast today. It's always great to talk to you, Scott, and it's great to be uh, here with your audience. Yeah, likewise. And as is our tradition in the show, we get right into it. So tell us, when you say clarity in business development, what does that mean exactly? And why is that important? So clarity means that you know who your best clients are and why those clients choose your firm. And with this clarity, you can have more people that generate better business and they can do it faster. Yeah. How's that for uh That's it. All right. To the well, point. Thanks for being on the show. That's what we need. That's what we need. And so this is good because I'm assuming that if we know who our best clients are, why they chose us, is that something that we can reverse engineer in our business development efforts? Absolutely. And, and all clients are not equal. I mean, think about, you've often heard that 80% of your profits come from 20% of your clients. Right. What people don't think about is that there's also 80% of your headaches come from a different 20% of your clients. So who your best clients are really, really is important and having that clarity so you attract more of the best ones and let the uh, the bottom ones self-select out to someone who where they're a best client. Right, right. Bruce, for your clients that look at who their best clients are, when you're working with your law firm clients, what's kind of the criteria they've told you? What makes those good clients for them? Well, in, uh, in, in my sense, I don't really care. But from their standpoint, it's the clients that appreciate them. Yeah. yeah. It's the clients that take their advice. It's the clients that that pay and don't haggle over over the uh, the cost because they understand what the value is. Yeah, these tend to be longer term relationships as opposed to transactional relationships. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I actually before our call, I had a call with another client to give me some pretty good assignments, and I told them, I said, "You guys are at the head of the line because you pay me early. You pay me not just on time, but early, and I appreciate that." Because I was telling him the criteria of clients, firms that have a clear problem that needs to be solved firms that are truly committed to solving that and firms that partner with me. And so that's kind of how I've created the, the three things that are important to me 
with those types of firms, which kind of fits in with what you talk about. So let's say you're working with a law firm. Uh, How do you get all the leaders to get on board with some of the work that you have them do? What is it that, what are some of the pitfalls that they fall into? What are some of the roadblocks that they have? And how do you kind of get that out of the way so that they can really start thinking about this? Well, first off, is sort of, if there's more than a couple of partners, it's always someone that doesn't get on board at first. They're, I call them the laggard. used to scare the hell out of me. It still does. But <laughs> at the end, because of the process, and we'll talk about that a little bit in terms of credibility and actionability, they're the ones that become the enforcers because oh, they got there the hard way. It's like, this isn't the way we run a law firm. And then they realize the value of it and they let no one stray off. So I've learned that they're they're actually my friend in the long term. But in terms of the pitfalls, think about just thinking as a lawyer. Lawyers traditionally look to the past and apply the present. That's what the and entrepreneurs, business people tend to look to the future and apply it to the present. So there's a little bit of non-normal thinking here that you've got to get people to think about their legal practice as a business. Yeah. Why do you think they look at it that way? They look at the past traditionally and apply the precedent. Because that's the way they're taught to be lawyers. I mean, that's precedent. That's that's how you do case law. I mean, that's how they do what they do. But clients don't hire them because of what they do. Clients hire them because of what the client can do because of what they do. Mm. It's not about the contract. It's about the client can do with the contract, the business opportunities that they can open, how they're going to double the size of their business. That's what the client can do with the work that the attorney does. It's really important, you know, what you do. That's how you avoid malpractice and and have smooth operating processes. But you have to recognize that's how you deliver for the client. That's not what the client is actually buying from you. Start talking the way the client thinks about what they buy from you. And suddenly it's a really different, different relationship. But it's also back to our clarity theme. That's how you get clarity where there's not mystery. I know what you're thinking because I know what you're trying to do with your business. This is how I help you. Yeah, that's fantastic, Bruce. And I think you've hit on this vein of gold here that I want to spend a little bit more time talking about. You said that law firms are hired not because of the work they do, but because of what can be done by their clients with the work they they do. Is that what you said? Is that, did I understand that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that right there is probably a major inflection point in a professional's self-awareness of how can they really kill it in terms of client development. So let's say somebody understands this. And what are some examples from you're working with law firms and they're working with their clients? What are some examples of, of where you've seen this in action? So let's just roll back for a second because it's a concept that's really powerful, but it's it's really hard to get past I'm thinking about my clients as opposed to I'm thinking like my clients. So usually I get hired because I come with good references. The concepts seem intriguing. There's a lot of potential, but they're not quite sure. And then I end up, uh, part of my process is I go out and I talk to, I interview, in-depth interviews of their best clients, not all their clients, their best clients. And what comes back is these are people that love working with you, Yeah. but you find out that there's reasons that they love working with you that are different than what you thought they were. That becomes both incredibly credible because these are people you maybe worked with for five, 10, 15 years. You, you know, they, they value you. They appreciate you. You know, they wouldn't be where they were, but they're saying things that you actually do, not what you ought to do, but things that you actually do that you dismiss because, well, it's just the right thing to do. 
Right. Or I couldn't I couldn't sleep at night if I didn't do that for my clients, but nobody notices, so we don't talk about it. Well, it turns out when you pull back the onion a little bit, they don't talk about it because nobody talks about it, but you pull it back, they notice, and they say, oh, yeah, there's this thing that Scott does that I don't really think about, but if he didn't do it, it would be a totally different relationship. Yeah. I call that a secret sauce. Yeah, that's interesting. So your clients, your law firm clients, they let you talk to their clients. Is that correct when you're working with yes. them? Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. So one comment I have and a question is that what you're talking about for law firms that are looking at improving their BD, there's an element of vulnerability because they have to, I think, take away the client facing persona of I know everything. And that's something I've seen because they have to have that client facing persona of I have all the answers. But I think that persona permeates into other areas that are of their lives. For me, when I'm talking to them about career decisions, preconceived ideas, oh, I know everything, I'm not interested. I've got to kind of, you know, shake them around a little bit and get them to see that this is something you don't know something about. How do you get them to remove that persona of I know everything and be open to this kind of change? How do you do that, Bruce? So a big part of that is the focus on their best clients, the ones they would clone if they could. So there's... We talked about that bottom 20% of the clients that create all the headaches and and frankly aren't a good match. They may be a good match for someone else, but they're not for you. And so that's a big part of the the equation. It's also why they go out and do an all-client survey. Mm -hmm. Satisfaction can be really dangerous because the people that that want the biggest changes in what you do are probably the people you least want to have as clients. Yeah. Now, the clients that are your best clients, yeah, maybe everything's not absolutely perfect, but they've got this relationship where they're going to tell you that. They're yeah, not yeah. holding back. And these are the people that appreciate you. They pay you. They're not having the problems. This is an area where you want to learn what you are doing well so you can double down on what you're doing well because you will get bigger results by doing more of what you do well than trying to pick off the occasional thing that you could improve. Right, right. That's a mindset change. And it is, it's a big problem for the know-it-all. Yeah. And so you mentioned the enforcers. You mentioned the know-it-all. Do you have certain persona profiles of the people that you're dealing with? Is that, is that where that comes from? Yeah, it's, it's from my own experience. The know-it-alls are not necessarily great clients for me because they're going to struggle with it. I've seen this in other you know, industries beyond law where there's maybe a sole proprietor that runs a big successful business. And they're used to you kind of muscling through all their problems. And you right. come to them and you tell them, this is how you can get greater clarity. And they're used to always just muscling through. And so it's hard for them to take advice, even if it's good advice that's positive towards them. Because I don't bring bad news to people. I'm talking to your best clients. I am bringing <laughs> good news right. about how you can do better. And when you get that clarity with the best clients, all of a sudden you have clarity with those bottom clients as well. And you realize, oh my God, why are we working with these people? And they're not necessarily bad people. I I try not to call them bad clients because they may be someone else's best client. That client that is needy, that wants everything explained nine ways from, from Tuesday. There are attorneys out there that love clients like that, that get to explain everything. And then there are clients that want to just tell me what you need so I can get on it. Right. And right. we need to know the difference between those, those clients. That's great, Bruce. You also mentioned a process. 
Tell me a little bit about that. What's kind of the process that you work with your clients and really to identifying some of these reasons why their clients work with them? Sure. So first off, I need to understand their business and what their business goals are because people have different business goals. And if I'm doing something that ties to their BD, that's not directly tied to their business goals, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I'm wasting their time and their money. So I really want to tie everything back. Secondly, a lot of my clients tend to be pretty technical in technical areas of the law or litigation support. And so if I'm going to talk to their clients, I need to be able to speak in the vernacular of the client. Yeah. So that doesn't mean I have to be able to do their job. But if I start saying, what's that acronym? What does that mean? They're going to dumb down the conversation and I'm going to lose the nuance. So that's the other piece that, that, you know, I've got a knack for. I love doing that and it works really well. Then it's actually talking to those to those clients with an in-depth conversation. Like I said, at some point they start to realize, oh, you know, I never really thought about this because nobody talks about it in these terms, but there's something that really matters. And so are you actually on the phone with them or is it an electronic survey? What are you doing with their clients? So surveys are great for validating. uh, If you think you know the answer, I'm on a fishing expedition. And I usually tell tell people when I I am on a fishing expedition, I have an outline of which I'm going to try to work through But if there is a tangent that you think is more valuable, absolutely steer us down that. And then part of my skill is because I commit to a time. I do not run it. These are CEOs and CFOs of of who are talking to me only because they have a strong relationship with my client. I'm just a consultant to them. And so I have to stay within my time. But part of the knack is, is this a a rat hole that's going to suck up our time? Or is this the tangent to the pot of gold? Right. And that's then becomes where the, the real value of the conversation comes out. And then I, I take the findings back and I, I tell a story. It's a story based on actual comments from their clients. So these are people that, that they know if there's issues of confidentiality, you know, they already know the secrets of their clients. And, you know, I'm non-disclosed and those sorts of things. It's not saying general generalities about some of your clients said this, some of your clients said, said Scott said this, Bruce said this, Mary said that, Peggy said this. It's like, whoa, that's really hard to argue back about the consultant says this vague stuff. It's like, you know, well, let me tell you the backstory about Peggy there. All right, well, let's talk about that. And then what comes out is often I will say, oh, well, now that I know that backstory, there's these two other conversations that people said that now makes a lot of sense. This becomes incredibly credible to my client. And then, as I said, it's things that they are actually doing, but usually not talking about. Right. So it becomes really actionable. It's not, you've got to do this thing that the sales trainer told you that's really uncomfortable. And if you do it, your business will maybe improve. I'm saying these are the relationships that you have. You already do this. You now have permission because I have gotten it from the client that says, wow, I'd love to have Scott talk about that. And now you get to go talk about it. And then the client's eyes just, when you go test this out with a client, the eyes go wide because it's like, oh my God, Scott, you know, we've worked together for what, seven, eight years. You know how valuable you are to our business. We would not be here without you, but I've never been able to articulate that to other people. And you just put words on it. That's great. That's fantastic. I can see that there's a tremendous amount of upside with this. What's the downside of somebody doing this sort of exercise? I haven't really found a, a downside. I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's a mindset change. Yeah. If you see clients as a cash register, bad, bad client for me. <laughs> if you are in your business to help your clients thrive and make a nice living at it while you're doing mm-hmm. it because you're bringing value to them, 
then that's a great match. And as you get into firms, you know, sometimes you have a mixture of partners. So if they're, you know, some, some, you know, we know no law firms, sometimes they're all under the same, you know, shingle because they, you know, they're just sharing office expenses. Other times yeah. they're because they have a cultural bond, even if they do very different kinds of law. And I think this is the kind of exercise that could even be a selling point when a firm is looking to recruit. We hired Bruce Lefetra to help us with our client relationships, and we increased our revenue by X percent with people we already know. I think that shows a firm is willing to invest in growth. They're willing to invest in growing and expanding the pie of their existing clients, which I think is great. And it also, I'm sure it leads to business development in other areas. Absolutely. And I have a client that, you know, mid-sized law firm that with the great resignation totally passed them by because they work as a firm. They now only work with their best clients. They don't work with anyone who's not a best client for them. So the managing partner says, you know, he's never had so much fun in his life because every client's a great client. There's no headaches. Managing the, the staff and the personnel is much easier Maybe they could have gone and gotten a few bucks more somewhere else during the great resignation, but they were the attorneys there were aware, even the staff was well aware that we can't get this anywhere else. This is great. That's fantastic. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So tell me a story, and you don't have to mention the firm, maybe not that one, but of a firm yeah. that went through, did the exercises. What was the, I'd say, the quantifiable change? How did it change? Not just in terms of the closeness of the relationships, but was there any economic improvement that you saw by working with certain firms? What are some examples of that? It's all about economic. I mean, it all comes down to, you know, partner distributions. Right, right, <laughs> um, right. Partner distributions and, and value of the firm at the end. So why do people come to me? You know, sometimes it's because they have plenty of leads, but they don't have great client leads coming in. They start to understand best clients. It's like, crap, how do we get more of these? There's cases where they struggle to differentiate themselves. It's like, how do you make our lawyer, yeah. our law firm you know, unique? Well, it's not about how you think it's unique. It's how clients you know, see you as being valuable to them. Uh, but the one I'll tell the story about is um, transition. So a managing partner of a firm, he actually had three other partners, but he brought in 80% of the business So they all were kind of fat and happy. They all had great income. And then he decided he wanted to retire. And he figured that the value of the firm was going to pay for his retirement. So they went and got valued and they said, well, if you're not here, there's not much value in the firm. (laughs) That's right. right. So it was like, oh, crap. So they had done sales training. They did a whole bunch of marketing. They did rebranding. They spent a crap load of money. And a year later, when I met them, they were exactly the same place, just a year closer to his retirement date. Yeah. What we did was go talk to their best clients and figure out what they did. And they're in a very complex area of the law. So the law of moving parks and tax and governance and those sorts of things. And what we found was that they had been branding themselves as experts because they know everything. What their clients were hiring was someone to guide them through the jungle of danger. Oh, wow. How they get them through the jungle requires a lot of expertise. The expertise Mm -hmm. is really important. But back to the beginning of our conversation, that's how they deliver. That wasn't what clients were doing. They actually had part of their website was talking about how complex these matters are. And in talking to some of their best clients, it became clear that they were actually scaring people off. It's like, I know this is complicated. I didn't realize it was that complicated. Maybe maybe we don't need to do that. That's interesting. How's that for realization, Bruce? Yeah. How's that for realization? So so talk about results. So the results are they went in three years, they went from one rainmaker to five rainmakers. Wow. Wow. Their revenue was up almost five, five X. 
their profits or earnings or partner distributions were up far more than that because they no longer have those profit-sucking, time-sucking clients. It's all best clients. They were not working harder because they work with clients that generate a lot of profit and a lot of headaches. They actually have more capacity if you're working with just those clients because you don't have the time suck. You can plow that into probably two best clients instead of one not best client. And and so it became easier to manage. So one, the firm was on a great trajectory. Staff was happy, easier to manage. So it was more of a firm as opposed to a job. Right. The value was well you know, documented. And so it was an easy transition transition out. That's great, Bruce. That's a great example. I appreciate you sharing that. So tell me this, as we bring our time to a close, what would be three action steps people can take to really get started implementing some of these ideas that you shared with us? So I will give them something to think about, something to ask themselves and something that they can do that will improve their business today, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, good. <laughs> might, might take to tomorrow. Uh, so that the th- something to think about is who are your best clients? Not who are great clients in general, but who would you clone if you could? And be very specific about that. These are names and, and reasons. The second one is to something you can ask. And that is, how do you improve their business? Not what you do, what they can do because of what you do. So how is their business improved because of what you have done? You know, it's an indirect relationship. And then the the third is an action that they can take that have a remarkable impact on their business. And I call this the us, we, our test. So go to your website. Go to your marketing materials. If you can think about your conversations you have in terms of business development, introductions, whatever you do, and count up all the times you say, us, we, or our. And the goal is to eliminate those or pair them way back because you're not the hero. Yeah, The client is the hero. Us is about us. The client doesn't care about you. They care about what you can do for them. That's great. That's great, Bruce. And this is... I'm actually thinking of things I need to do today. (laughs) As you share this, I'm going to go to my site, some of my previous conversations and some of the other areas and kind of look at what I've done. And I hope all of our listeners will do that also. I think that in itself is a big change people can make that's going to give them a quantifiable result. And Bruce, I want to thank you for being on the show. I think that our listeners will get big change from what you shared already. And we're going to put your contact information on the show notes. But what would you like our audience to know about what you do, your offerings, and how you can help them? Well, I'm, I'm really on a, a mission to uh, help lawyers and, and other professionals so that they can actually earn more without working harder. And because just doing so change, yeah, it changes your income, but it changes your life and your career. And it drives firms to new heights. And it can be uh, it can be tough to take time out to do something that doesn't you know offer CPE or MCLE credit, uh, but it does make a huge difference. So there's three ways people can engage with me. One is my traditional consulting practice. We talked a lot about this during the podcast here. I also work with leaders in a coaching capacity. It's not a traditional coaching capacity. Think more one-on-one seminar. Yeah. So right. I'm not going to you know, give you an attaboy and those kinds of things, but we will walk through this on a one-to-one basis. And sometimes that that works works better for people. And then uh, the other thing I love to do is, is speak. You know, so this can be a firm meeting or a kickoff, a leadership retreat, or professional associations that are trying to add business value to their members. That's great. Well, Bruce, this is fantastic. We're going to put all of your information, your contact information on the show notes. 
Thank you for being a guest today. You've given us some great wisdom and I hope to have you back on the show in the future, Bruce. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a wonderful experience and um, I just can't, can't say enough. Sounds great. Thank you, Bruce. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.